With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. The state's budget wizards say the state will receive $190 million more than what Governor Kristi Noem outlined in December. So what does that all mean? Here's SDPB's Lee Strubinger. Now, appropriators will fit together the pieces of the state budget. For many, this number makes the case state lawmakers can cut some form of tax. Governor Nome's food tax cut is projected to come in around $100 million. That still leaves an extra $190 million if lawmakers went that route. Two other tax cut proposals also fit into that revenue target. I just hope at the end of the day we do figure out a way to provide some meaningful tax relief for the taxpayers of South Dakota. That's Republican Representative Chris Carr, who's pushing for a half percent cut on the state's 4.5 percent sales tax. That would result in a roughly $170 million tax cut. Carr suspects revenues will come in higher than what the budget committee adopted. Others want a roughly $70 million property tax cut. This is just the revenue. That's Republican State Senator Jean Hunhoff. She says lawmakers must fund their priorities first, then talk cuts. At the end of the day, we still have to look at what are the things that we are going to fund, which are going to be ongoing, which is in fiscal year 24. Hunhoff worries about budget cuts once the federal stimulus dollars run out. She was around when then-Governor Dennis Dugard proposed a 10 percent budget cut. She wants to avoid that again. Still, some say the adopted revenue target puts the state in a good position. Representative Linda Duba says lawmakers must address state employee salaries, education, nursing home, and community service provider funding, as well as Medicaid. We'll really now take things and seriously delve into those uh, budgets and come up with what we think is a, is a reasonable budget for the people of South Dakota. Lawmakers have until March 9th to pass a state budget. I'm SDPB's Lee Strubinger in Pierre. A collection of bills relating to Native American affairs were heard in the South Dakota Senate Education Committee. How did bills aiming to cut tuition rates and increase inclusion at graduation ceremonies for Native learners fare in Pierre? SDPB's CJ Keene has more. Senator Sean Bordeaux is from Mission, South Dakota on the Rosebud Sioux Reservation. He brought four education bills to the committee this week. One, SB 163, would allow the playing of indigenous honor songs at graduation ceremonies upon student request. Bordeaux says it represents an opportunity for meaningful reconciliation. I'm trying to build upon something that I think is an expression, an opportunity for the state to stick out that olive branch and become a friend of our Lakota, Dakota, Nakota people. So we saw the, the students here during the State of the Tribes address. They came in, they sang this honor song, Lakota flag song it's often called, which was created after uh, veterans came back from the war. Another bill, SB 187, would require schools to provide lessons on tribal history. Bordeaux says it would include long sought after educational materials. One of the things that we discussed was some curriculum that was developed from largely through people from my community. It's called the Ocheti Shakoi Essential Understandings. It, it's a curriculum that was developed for schools, elementary, for high school, to basically give people an understanding about our culture. I think some basic knowledge is ground level what we should know as South Dakotans here. 
Rob Munson, executive director for the School Administrators of South Dakota, spoke against 187, arguing in favor of the current education review process. We currently have what I believe is a, is a very good process in uh, South Dakota, although uh, our social studies uh, standards review right now seems to be a little bit in question and uh, um, not truly where we believe it should be in a true standards review. However, I feel what uh, is being discussed in this piece of legislation absolutely can take place in the standards review and should take place there. Bordeaux, in response, questioned the quality of the system currently in place. Each proposal was ultimately moved to the 41st legislative day, effectively killing the bills. I'm SDPB's CJ Keen. A Senate committee is unanimously passing a bill that creates a board to review every agriculture purchase made by foreign persons. That's despite nearly every major state agricultural organization testifying against the bill. SDPB's Lee Strubinger has more. Many of the farm groups agree with Governor Christie Nome that adversaries should be prevented from buying up South Dakota ag land. Scott Vanderwall is from South Dakota and the vice president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. He says the group is supportive of the bill's concept, but the legislation needs work. We think that uh, handling this on the federal level is the way to go. And I don't say that very often about things, but, uh, you know, a, a patchwork of state laws we don't, don't think would be uh, very constructive. It would be very confusing, and I think it would be best to come from the top. The bill establishes a governor-appointed panel that would approve purchases, leases, and inheritances of ag land by foreign persons. It opens a 20-year window for the state to investigate those transactions, and it gives the governor the final decision. Many senators on the panel agree with the Farm Bureau, like State Senator Herman Otten. However, he's unsure when the feds will act. That's why I'm inclined to support this uh, bill. And there are some things that need to be worked out with it. And uh, killing it now does not allow any opportunity to work through those issues and fix them. Current South Dakota law prevents foreign persons from purchasing more than 160 acres of land in South Dakota. Part of Nome's pitch is preventing adversaries from buying ag land near Ellsworth Air Force Base. Mitch Richter is a lobbyist for the South Dakota Farmers Union. He says the base is surrounded by non-ag land available for purchase. This bill doesn't cover any of that. So we, you've heard about um, national security, but if I was a bad actor, I could certainly go in there, buy a, buy a piece of ground, put up a 200 by 400 foot building, um, wrap it with barbed wire, and you would never know what I was doing in there. The bill now heads to the Senate floor. I'm SDPB's Lee Strubinger in Pierre. SDPB's legislative coverage is supported by the Friends of SDPB with corporate support from the South Dakota Bar Foundation and SDN Communications. House lawmakers are advancing a bill that prohibits lewd and sexual depictions and events on state property. The bill comes after Representative Chris Carr and other lawmakers say a self-described family-friendly drag show was held at South Dakota State University last fall. Carr says his bill does not ban drag shows, just anything that could be considered obscene by the Miller test. We're not just calling out a particular event saying, we're not, you can't do this, you can't do that. We're saying, here's the standard, here's the threshold, and it's defined by the highest court in the land. And I think that makes a lot of sense. The bill prohibits obscene live conduct, which it describes as anything without serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Further, it prevents programs that depict sexual activity, sexual anatomy, 
nudity, stripping, or performances that can be deemed sexual. The ACLU of South Dakota says the bill violates the First Amendment. It passed the House 60 to 10 and now heads to the Senate. Lawmakers are advancing a bill that prevents women from being held criminally liable if they get an abortion. House Bill 1220, presented by Representative Rebecca Reimer, provides a legal shield to women who undergo an abortion despite the procedure's illegal status in South Dakota. The bill is framed as an effort to protect women and saw pro-life lawmakers voice support for that reason. Further, a handout was shared signed by over 80 nationwide pro-life organizations that advocated against establishing criminal penalties for women who cross state boundaries for abortion treatment. HB 1220 was passed unanimously out of the House Judiciary Committee with a due pass recommendation. Violent crimes across the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota have increased in recent years. The Oglala Sioux Tribe says there are only 33 officers and eight criminal investigators responsible for more than 100,000 emergency calls annually. The tribe sued the federal government in July, alleging the federal government is not complying with its treaty obligations by providing adequate law enforcement. Holly Wilson's six-year-old grandson was killed in her home in a drive-by shooting last year on the reservation, and family friends down the road were killed soon after. She's among the reservation residents seeking justice. After two days of court proceedings last week, a judge said he would take the issue under advisement. Full-time college students are expected to spend between 45 to 60 hours each week either in the classroom or working on coursework. At the same time, data shows more than 40% of all college students work at least part-time. Balancing school and work can be overwhelming. This is the focus of two research papers written by University of Sioux Falls students. SDPB's Laura Rohde visits with them to learn more. As a high school student in Winter, South Dakota, Kirsten Duran maintained straight A's and worked part-time. She expected to achieve the same academic success while taking 16 credits and working about 30 hours a week when she began classes at the University of Sioux Falls, fall 2020. And at first, everything was okay. And then it wasn't. I was in tears and I called my mom and I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to have to drop out. I'm not going to graduate on time. On the other end of the phone, Duran's mom, Diane, listened to her tearful daughter and gave her an ultimatum. I just told her, I said, okay, well, you have two choices. You can either come home for a week or you can drop out. It's up to you. Kirsten Duran chose option one. She texted her boss and called her professors to let them know she was taking a mental health week at home. Went home and kind of got everything under control and I came back later and... While she was home, she met with her family doctor and was prescribed a low dose of anxiety medication. Duran also decided for her own mental health to cut back on work hours during the school week. This was the right decision for her. Two years later, Duran is on the dean's list and plans to pursue a master's in business administration after she graduates with her bachelor's in 2024. Duran's experience is not unique, explains University of Sioux Falls junior, Corianne Bulwark. Yeah, so my freshman year I had uh, two jobs and I didn't really have a set schedule at the first one. It was just kind of whenever they scheduled me. 
So I had a hard time trying to balance uh, when to do homework and then also getting ready for work. So during that semester, I kind of failed or dropped out of two or three classes because I didn't uh, do my homework on time. Bulwark said she knew something needed to change, but she did not feel like she could choose school over work because she needed the income to cover tuition and other living expenses. I would have to choose work first because I obviously can't call in every time that I have a bunch of homework to do. However, having to retake three classes was a wake-up call. Today, the business management entrepreneurial studies major manages her work schedule so that some days each week she can focus solely on school. This is not to say all her worries are over. Again, Corianne Bulwark. I get a little nervous or whatever, a little anxious about knowing how much homework I have to do. It just kind of makes me overwhelmed knowing that I have like three or four homework assignments due on the same day. And then so I pretty much have to plan my whole day around all my homework. Finding work-life balance as a college student was the focus of research papers Kirsten Duren and Corianne Bulwark wrote for a class fall 2022. Through research, they discovered tips they plan to implement this semester to help reduce anxiety while keeping up with work and school. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Lura Rohde. With SDPB News, I'm Megan Feary. And that is your daily news update. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SDPB News and visit sdpb.org news to stay up to date on our journalism as it comes in. And as always, thank you for listening.